It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. What is up, Buckeye Nation? We are here with another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant. Holy land. Uh, it, it, it is here. The game, the greatest rivalry in all of sports. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about everything that goes into it. And we're going to give you guys our best rundown we can, leading you guys into that game. So I'm here, as always, with Jordan Williams. How are you feeling? You know, it's been... 12 long weeks to get to this point. Uh, we're finally here. The culmination of the season, everything on the line against the hated rival up north. Can't be, can't, can't have, ask for a better topic for a show. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm feeling great. Uh, a little bit sad because rivalry, rivalry week means football is almost over. Um, but overall, I'm excited, happy to have the game back, the best rivalry in sports, um, and ready for another year of utter domination by the Buckeyes. Yeah, I think uh, that's a fun point. I, I remember, this is a little throwback, but I remember as a kid, like, I, I got this book. You know, everyone had those book fairs at your school like it was like scholastic or something they had a bunch there was like a rivalry book and ohio state and uh michigan were on the cover of it and i'm like yeah it's it's the best rivalry in sports of course they're on the cover and being a kid who wasn't from ohio a lot of people didn't understand it and it's so fun being back in columbus for it kind of being around the community again because like i know you've driven around i know you've seen around town but the x's are up all the red x's covering out all the m's are here 
And people outside of Columbus just don't get it. I think we do have the craziest rivalry in all sports. I think every single year, most rivalries are like, yeah, we're in the same state, but this is like personal. It always has been, it always will be. And uh, it's just, it's just electric. Like the attitude in this rivalry. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think like, I think I always knew this, but I didn't realize it. It keyed on me earlier when I was looking up some like coaching statistics and and different things. A lot of the teams that have beaten Ohio State recently beat them in 2011. And that season doesn't count. So essentially, Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State in the last two decades. Like nobody counts the 2011 season. That was the fickle year where we were like literally I was looking it up. Um James, uh, Penn State has beaten Ohio State two or three times. I, maybe, I think maybe it's twice. Um, and one of them is 2011. Um, Nebraska, last time they beat us, I think was 2011. Uh, Purdue's the only team since 2011 I can think of that's beaten us multiple times. Purdue and Michigan State. Uh, although, yeah, and Michigan State. So it's just like, Michigan really hasn't beaten us. They haven't beaten us at full go in like... I don't even know when. I think it was 2001. 2001 is the last time they actually beat us? 2003. Uh, 2003. Okay. But still, so in this millennium, uh, they've beaten us three times uh, since 2000, including the year 2000. So uh, that is not a lot to a very large amount by Ohio State. Uh, I think it's 18 to 3 since the – 2000s rolled around so i'm really glad we're we're living in the 2000s because you know the the thing a lot of people don't understand about it is ohio state was not this side of the rivalry when a lot of our parents in ohio were like growing up a lot of the older people in ohio were growing up so a lot of the people are like would you rather have a national championship or would you rather beat michigan those those skew towards the beat michigan because at the end of the day i would much rather have this record and be like, yeah, it's 10 in a row, 11 in a row, 12 in a row, then have to hear those people who are fans of that team be like, oh, we got them. And that's that's the rivalry. Yeah. But, like, I'm, I don't know. I just want both. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of where it all started is it, it, it starts. This is the game that usually leads to – it always used to lead to the Rose Bowl, which was – playing for a national championship in the AP poll era. So this year has that level of importance because, you know, it's, it's, I I think it's two versus six is what the rankings were when they were two versus five. So yeah, that's a top five matchup. It's as big as it gets Uh, playoffs on the line, big 10 titles on the line. This game has all the meaning behind it. And, like, historically, it's been a while since there's been a game like this. I think the last one was 2016 with the whole JT was short. Uh, The guy's 6'2". He's not that short. Uh, And then the Curtis Samuel game. It was the Curtis Samuel game. It was the Curtis Samuel year, if we're being completely honest. So, uh, this year, uh, we're back. Uh, Last year, you know, it sucked the year off. Uh, you know, I, I, I still I'm not a fan of everyone like saying like, you know, COVID was a serious issue last year. So it's like kind of uh, 
It, it's like a little short-sighted to be like, oh, yeah, Michigan dodged them. But looking at all the indicators, hindsight's twenty twenty, And I think Ohio State, regardless of how they feel about it, is going to come into this game with a vengeance. You know, Ryan Day said he wanted to hang 100 on them. Uh, he's got two games worth of points to put up on Michigan this year. So uh, I'm interested to see how you feel about that. Uh, is this the type of game where you think uh, – all that frustration and anger from missing it last year is going to benefit the Buckeyes. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe, but I also think that there's this is a game where you don't really need extra motivation. Um, I think, you know, they'll take any motivation that they can, but I really don't think this is a game you need extra motivation. It's already Michigan week. It's rivalry week. They spend 365 days preparing for it. They need to win this game to win the Big Ten East. To go to the to go to the Big Ten title game and to make it to the playoffs, I I think that in the back of their mind, and I'm an advocate for Petty Ryan Day. We talked about that before. I think that may live there a little bit, but I don't think that outweighs all of the big things in this game. I think that kind of stuff is bigger when Michigan's bad. When Michigan has three or four losses and you need a way to still stay into this game and not let it be a trap game, I think that's when kind of the the little petty stuff comes in. But this is a like it's a it's a two five matchup. Winner goes to the the winner goes to Indianapolis. The winner will be favored against Wisconsin. Michigan's already beaten Wisconsin, which uh, is almost a guarantee. Um, I mean, I don't know if Michigan will beat Wisconsin again now that they have a running game, but it's almost a guarantee to make it to the playoffs. Um, and so, I don't know if anything else over overcomes that the the actual stakes of the game but i do think it's fun to talk about and i i wouldn't put it past ryan day and mainly i think mainly the players but i wouldn't pass people to to bring it up and stuff but i do think that stuff is bigger when michigan sucks and it's like all right we still need to get up for this game we already have the big 10 locked up that kind of stuff yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's where it gets interesting is because it's a rivalry game. And, you know, we've seen rivals like this Auburn-Alabama game is going to be good this weekend because Auburn is very much out of it. They have nothing to lose, so they're going to throw the kitchen sink at beating Alabama. So when you're playing the 7-4 and four Michigan, when you're playing the team that's already bowl eligible but their year's kind of thrown in the trash already, that team is scary. But, you know, last time – Ohio State played them with Shea Patterson. Uh, they were unprepared for everything Ohio State brought to them. You know, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins, they pieced them up. And uh, Ryan Days want to know, and this is kind of the other thing I want to talk about before we get into the next topic. Um, the guys, Earl Bruce, John Cooper, all-time great coaches, well-respected in the coaching profession, honored. You know, John Cooper – uh, should be in the College Football Hall of Fame, but he's not. Oh, no, he is. I think Earl Bruce is the one who's not, even though he should be. Uh, there's a lot of people in there, um, but I, I'm looking at it. You know, 2-10-1, that was John Cooper's record against Ohio State. Urban Meyer ha- is a legend forever because he went 7-0. and uh, Jim Trussell, 8-1 and against Michigan. So at, when you really look and break down the importance of this to a coach, like, uh, I think I read a stat today. John Cooper had one of the best winning percentages as a coach in all of coaching history, but he couldn't beat his rival. So I think Ryan Day, this is the thing. He gets it. 
you saw the Big Ten video. Everyone laughed at it when they said, hey, say a nice thing about your rival stadium. He said, I uh, don't think I will. And then he's like, no. Um, do you think Brian Day is feeling a little bit extra pressure when it comes to this game? And do you think that's a positive for him? Or do you think that's kind of something that might kind of get us in trouble? Mm, again, like... I I don't think there's any extra pressure than the pressure of you need to win this game to make it to the playoffs. Because I think um, a lot of, you know, at the end of the day, the rivalry is very important. But I don't think nowadays people would – I mean, because we've seen it before. We've beaten Michigan but didn't make the playoffs, and fans were in an outrage. Uh, And nobody said, oh, well, we beat Michigan, so it's okay that we didn't make the playoffs. I still think that that's the bigger pressure. And because all of that is lumped in together, I don't know if the singular focus on beating Michigan adds extra pressure. I think that that is a a constant level of pressure that doesn't really change. Um, I think that's a, I think that's, I mean, it might as well be written in the job contract. Uh, It's something that they think about all the time. So again, I, I think that's one of those things where it's always there, but I think this game matters more than most because of the stakes like this is the this is the biggest game in Jim Harbaugh's career but in all honesty this is one of the biggest games in Ryan Day's career um because he needs this game to get back to the playoffs um and you, I mean, it's obviously not bigger than the national championship, um, but I would say that it's close because it's because of the extra pressure of rivalry week um, and where Ohio State wants to go. And Ohio State hasn't lost two games in the regular season in a while, and so I'm, I just don't know that there's extra pressure. I don't I don't know that there's extra pressure on Ryan Day to get to two and zero. Although I know that he thinks about that. Yeah, that's where that's kind of where my thought process with it was because you know it is it's unhinged like the approach we as like alumnus and Ohio State like fans and people you grew up in Ohio so like it, it's unhinged the approach both sides take to each other when it comes to this rivalry. There's like no respect. So I, I Ryan Day understands that, and I think he's endeared himself to the fan base with his words about them and what he said. And I, I think you nailed it because you're right. This is for way more than just this game. So it, it's really just about winning a football game regardless. Yeah, I, and, and, and I caught – Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. I was going to say, I caution saying this because I know how, you know, crazy Ohio State fans are. But Ryan, uh, Urban Meyer only played in one national championship game, right? So there's a level of expectation at Ohio State. But from the administration, the level of expectation is not perfection. Um, it's it's very high sustained sustained success. They're not going to fire Ryan Day if he loses once to Michigan. They're not going to fire Ryan Day if he loses once or if he doesn't win a national championship. It's it's about the majority. It's beating Michigan the majority of the times. It's getting to the playoffs the majority of the times. And when it becomes a 12-team playoff, maybe then it's all the time, right? It's it's winning the Big Ten the majority of the time. Urban Meyer, I, I think one of the years may have been from a suspension, but if I remember correctly, Urban Meyer only won the Big Ten three out of seven years, regardless of how successful he was. That's not even a majority. So 
I don't think Ryan Day is under the pressure and expectations that fans think he is under. And I don't think people expect, I don't think inside the building, people expect him to live up to Urban Meyer. 7-0 and in a rivalry is just stupid. Like, that's crazy. Um, I fully expect that he can do it because I have no faith in Michigan and where they're at as a program. But I don't, I just don't think that there's, any extra pressure outside of the regular pressure like this rivalry game brings so much regardless and it's the fans are passionate the coaches are passionate the players are passionate i don't think that they're unless the, unless there's like a losing streak which is just not going to happen ohio state's too well coached and talented for there to be a losing streak i don't think there's any added pressure at all to this game outside of just what is because this is the biggest game of the year and this is the best i mean it's called the game like that's how big it is nationally as a rivalry, historic, all of that kind of stuff. I just think that that kind of stays at a level until you become John Cooper and you're two ten and one. That then there's pressure. Then there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like when you get it done in your first year, it really takes that monkey off your back. And we're kind of seeing what John Cooper went through with Jim Harbaugh, like on the other side, like Jim Harbaugh. Outside of his games against ranked opponents, has been better than I'd say 90% of coaches in college football. But for the longest time, that wasn't the expectation at Michigan until they restructured his contract. And now it's like, all right, if you get 10 wins, we'll give you another shot. You know, if you keep getting 10 wins, we're good here. Like, it's fine. When you're getting paid $4 million, that's the expectation. When you're getting paid $8 million, you got to beat those guys. And that's sort of. Like I said, John Cooper went through it. Jim Harbaugh is currently going through it. So he's definitely got a lot of pressure on him. I think that's the thing. Ryan Day can just coach his game. I think Ryan Day can just attack this defense like he attacked Michigan State, you know, just devise the plan and just stick to it. And I think that's kind of where I want this approach to be from the coaching staff. Obviously, you prepared for it 365 days out of this year. Let that preparation speak for itself. You're the more talented football team. Just go out and make plays. A hundred percent. I wanted to see if I could pull this up. Jim Harbaugh is. Oh, oh, okay. There we go. He's 59 and 23 at Michigan for a 72% winning percentage. That is really good. The problem is he's one in four in bowl games. And. That's that. I mean, this what I'm looking at doesn't have his ranked record, but we all know it's absolutely miserable. It's like two, and, it's like two and fifteen or something like really, really bad. So, um, yeah. But like, that's the thing that makes it hard to fire him, and that's why it's kind of great for you know Buckeye fans because they will probably never fire him. And like, Mich- and here's the thing: this is going to be interesting. Michigan is in a very similar. I think Michigan and Florida are the same program. Florida's had a little bit more success because they hit on a coach where Michigan hasn't, but they're a program that has won some championships, but is not as consistently good as expected to be. Um, And Michigan is going to watch this Dan Mullen situation. And if Florida, like, 
I genuinely think Florida may hire a coach that's bad because Jim McElwin had a really crazy winning percentage, but people just didn't like him. And then he had the death threat thing and they fired him. And then they hired Dan Dan Mullen, who was also really good and had a really, I mean, his last last year and a half wasn't amazing, but he challenged for the SEC championship game, won a whole bunch of games, all that other kind of stuff. I don't know if they get, it right three times in a row. So I think Michigan's going to look at that and other things kind of like it and be like, we have this coach that's winning. He's not doing everything we want, but he's winning. What happens if we fire him? I think the, um, I think the other thing is just looking at their other coaches. Like, they don't want another Brady Hoke. Like, they don't want to go through some of the stuff that they went through. And so it's beneficial to us because – Jim Harbaugh hasn't proven that he can win the big game, but he wins enough game that it's really hard to fire him. Yeah, and that's kind of like the thing. We saw a bunch of really good coaching jobs, like air quotes around that really good. You know, we saw USC open up. We saw Florida opened up. You know, all these jobs, and guess what? The biggest people, the biggest names that were being connected to those jobs, the James Franklins, the Luke Fickles, all these names you go down the list are choosing to stay. So we've seen these gambles for group of five coaches work out at major programs. You know, the Jamie Chadwell types, the Tom Herman types, you know, uh, he didn't work out. Uh, well, they, I mean, he's better than Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, that's, that's another what I'm one. Saying. Like, so it's, Texas is one to follow. They hired a worse coach. Are you, yeah. <laughs> are we saying like, like that's why I'm like I'm. You're starting to see more coaches stay because the grass is not always greener. Do you really want to go to USC and have all this extra pressure to play at a nine and three school in its current state or coach? I mean, no, you don't. So, like, and if you're USC, like they spent six years in that sort of eight and four, nine and three. You are you really gonna find someone significantly better than Clay Helton? I don't think Cristobal is coming. I don't think some of these other names are going down to Southern California when they've already built something somewhere else. So they don't want to get caught in that coaching purgatory. They're not going to go get Luke Fickle. So it doesn't matter. And like, you know, Matt Campbell was the hottest name in coaching before the year. He's at six and four right now. So I think he lost a little luster on him. And it's just like you and I both know it's like, we're so tired of the Big Ten sticking to average coaches, but it's also like, is the grass always greener in those coaching hires? And we could look at the SEC for that example because they hire a bunch of coaches all the time. Yeah, and I think that USC is another good one. You know, Clay Houghton wasn't that good of a coach, and so he should have been fired before, but it's still not guaranteed they hire a better coach. The one thing with Clay Houghton, though, is there are two immediate upgrades that you will see with their coaches, and it's not always true in every area. The immediate upgrade over Clay Houghton is hiring a coach that can recruit, especially in L.A., and hiring a coach that can not make the offensive line soft. So USC is a little different because there were actually some like tangible things, but like, what can you tangibly take if you were Florida and a, and a new coach to know that he's better than Dan Mullen? I mean, it's same thing happened with Georgia and Kirby smart has proven it, but like when they fired Mark rich, it's like, what can you tangibly expect better? And Kirby smart still hasn't won a national championship. Only thing you can really say is he's doing better is he's, um, he played for a national championship, right? And he is recruiting better. But like some of like Michigan, what can you tangibly ask for better than Jim Harbaugh? You ask for them to beat the rivals, but almost nobody beats 
Ohio State. So all you're really asking is for them to win a bowl game and beat Penn State and Michigan State, which should be possible, but it's not guaranteed. So it's just like it's hard to fire these coaches. I hope Jim Harbaugh stays forever because I don't know if he ever beats Ohio State. Um, But, yeah, it's just like this coaching carousel in general is going to be really interesting because, like you said, all the big names are staying. So who are they going to hire? Like, I can't think of one coach who is going to be really, really good at a USC. Like, I mean, they're going to have to take a leap of faith. And sometimes it's not worth taking that leap of faith. Those established names aren't out there. Yeah. And, you know, it's you're either going to gamble on some young up and comer and be in the same place in five years, or you're going to gamble on some old established coach who's shown his ceiling at other places. And that's just like, it's tough because like everyone is super like, holy crap, look what Mac Brown's doing at North Carolina. And then look at this season. Yeah, the um, <laughs> I keep coming up with all these examples because because it's so easy. Michigan is one bad hire from being Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska did exactly what Michigan's doing. They fired two coaches who went nine and three because they wanted more, and then they got Scott Frost, and now they can't fire him because people like him, but he's terrible. He's below average as a head coach, and what and he's done is- to the job itself. He's made Nebraska like not a very marquee location to go as a football recruit. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, I don't know. Michigan may never fire Jim Harbaugh because yeah. they're one they're one bad hire away from being Nebraska. Yeah. Shout out to um, them for that. Yeah. And shout out to uh, – we'll give James Franklin a good job getting your money to go 9-3 and three and even worse sometimes. Yeah, and hey, shout out to James Franklin because he's not going to beat Ohio State. So Secured the um, bag for being above average. I love it. And it's I I think I think keeping James Franklin was smart. Yeah, I don't think keeping Scott Frost was smart. Everyone knows how I feel about that. There are other coaches who are not as good as Jim Harbaugh and other places who should be fired in the Big Ten. But um, yeah, because that's another that's another job. Like who's coming to Penn State and taking him higher than James Franklin? I don't see a name out there that is Luke Fickle. Yeah, and I don't think he's going to Penn State with Cincinnati moving to the Big Twelve. Yeah, and someone, uh, I think it was Bill Landis or Ari, one of them, somebody made that, that statement. It was like, what makes Penn State a better job than Michigan State? And he and he showed no interest in Michigan State. Yeah. And, and Michigan State is uh, technically location-wise is the better job for um, Luke Fickle because of its proximity to Ohio. Penn State is like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 interesting. I mean, this is this is going to be a fun conversation. We'll for sure continue on during the off season for you guys, but we got to get back on track. Jim Harbaugh, uh, what's he? Zero five going to be zero six against Ohio State or zero four going to be zero five? I don't really keep track of him. He's kind of crazy. Uh, but we already kind of mentioned this. I just wanted to go quickly on this because I just love being on Twitter when a player on another team says something that like they're supposed to say. And then the opposing fan base is like, are you guys seeing this? They're tagging players and like quote tweeting it like, yo, Haskell Garrett, you seeing this? And then I'm just like, guys, like, are you serious? Cade McNamara said exactly what a quarterback says every single week when asked about an opposing defense. Yeah. Um, 
I don't. I have nothing to say about it. it like, if you're a Michigan fan, you want him to say that. Yeah. Is, I mean, like, what, like, like you're saying, what else is he supposed to say? He's like, yeah, we're just gonna roll over. I'm gonna let him sack me eight times in a row, and I'm just gonna be <laughs> done with it. Like, no, I we're gonna lose by thirty. <laughs> yeah, like it. It's for sure. Like, I, I mean, everyone's like, oh, they're gonna put this up in the Woody. It's like, it's like you said, this is the biggest game of the year. They're looking across and seeing that number five rank, and they're gonna say, hey, guess what? we're not going to be that group of Ohio state players who loses to Michigan. You know, that's, that's all the motivation I need. If I was a football player, I'm like, these guys are eight and no, we're like eight straight. We're not going to be the team that loses. That's Honestly. all the motivation you need. Well, you want to play for a national championship. You got to beat these guys. That's the motivation you need. And everyone's like, yeah, but they're still going to hang it up. I'm like, where are they hanging it up? Do we, they don't even have bulletin boards anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think that there are some things you hang up or quote unquote hang up. Clemson score on the TV screen that you hang that up because you look at it yeah. and you're like, that's a reminder every single year. The countdown clock. I think, but the one thing that I will say though is I do think maybe not every player, but certain players do take that into consideration. So it's not entirely something that we should overlook. But ultimately, players, you could say, unless you are giving praises on the other team, anything you say could be taken negatively. Yeah. And that's because players are psycho. Which, and I say that, in uh, I say that in a good way because you have to be psycho to play football. I played football. I like you have to be psycho. So. It's it's not a special balloon. Like now the revenge tour. Now that one that was, was bulletin board material. That one, that one, it was that one was just that funny because it was just like it was personal and it was so bold. But just saying like we're looking to take advantage of their defense. Yeah. Okay. Like the stuff Winovich was saying. If I was a football player, or what, formerly like. I would have taken that really personally. I would have been like, you want revenge on us? It's like not a single chance in hell. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's hilarious The any time the opposing player. Now, Michigan State, when Mike Hart called them little brother, that was one. That, that's very much bulletin board material. They still yeah, hold on to that one. Yeah, but the, yeah, it's still stuck. I mean, because that one stuck nationally. Yeah. Um, but I mean that's the that's the that is the beauty of the rivalry. Um it's funny, I think it was Patrick Mayhorn or it was um it wasn't Patrick Mayhorn, it was the guy he podcast with I'm thinking I'm missing his name right now. I think it's Michael or something. Uh, no, it's not that one. He he does a couple of podcasts. Uh he he tweeted, he's like, Ohio State is the only school in the nation that does the rivalry right. Uh, because they literally live and breathe it every second. The entire, the town gets into it, the city. Literally, again, like you're saying, restaurants have started to get into it. Like, uh, his name is Ryan. Ryan. Oh, but I see where you get Michael from, because Michael's in his Twitter name. But his name is Ryan. Um, Yeah, it's like, I mean, you could you go anywhere, gas stations, you go get food. Everyone has a red X. These people, most people don't care. Like the owners of McDonald's don't really care about the rivalry. Half of them probably aren't even from here, but it's just what the city does. It is, and and so that's like, I mean, Michigan player breathes. I mean, they literally sent one of the news crews literally sent an undercover reporter to Michigan to ask about the game, like. That is, the, that is the sick kind of stuff that you do when the rivalry is the only thing that matters to you. And it's awesome. in Ohio, but especially in Columbus, it's, I mean, the freaking governor, I don't think he's done it yet. And I don't know if he still does it, but at least for two or three years, the governor literally sent out a letter that had all the M's crossed out. 
Like the freaking governor. Like, come on now. Yeah, that's it doesn't matter. Like, the entire state. Some elected official is sending out letters with M's crossed out about this rivalry. Christina M. Johnson, the president of Ohio State, literally crossed out her own middle initial. And she's been here for like three months. Gets it. Uh, she it, does. I like her. I mean, I don't know her, but I like her. It's funny. You know, I live on I live on Hamlet Street. Uh, don't 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 uh, whatever it's called. I'm not doxing myself. I don't think that's uh, a big street. Uh, I put up. I'm, I've got red tape. I'm just waiting for the time. I need a ladder though, because uh, it's a tall sign. It's a tall sign. It's pretty high. I can't just reach it. But it, it's just it's just so funny because I'm like I'm pretty far off campus. I'm like probably eight or nine streets back, and there's still X's just everywhere. Any campus building, there's X's all over it. So, I mean, and for, for any of the listeners who have never been to Ohio State's campus, I'm sure you know this, but until you've been there, you can't fathom how big the campus is, and you can't fathom how many signs there are on that campus. Every single sign has an X. It's literally, it's probably all the student workers and landscapers crew do for days. Yeah, like, yeah. there is not a single M on the campus that is uncovered. It is absurd. Yeah, I, at this point, they probably have like a spreadsheet. They know. I know they do. They they know exactly what signs have have it. How much tape they need. Like this is a thing. Like it is. And the craziest thing about it is, from that Saturday after their Saturday the week before game, till that Sunday morning, people are running around and putting X's up. So by Monday, yeah. almost every single sign is covered. And if you find one, your job is to cross it out. Yeah, it's it's nuts. But so, yeah, that kind of stuff, it's like in the general scheme of things. No, it doesn't matter. It's what you're supposed to say. But when your rival breathes like they have the audacity yeah. to, to take in air. Yeah, it's I mean, everything is bulletin board material. I have very much consciously just like not worn any blue this week. Like I think about it. I'm like, uh, I'm not wearing jeans. Like I'm just not doing it. It's khakis or sweats. Damn, I'm wearing blue right now. But it's a work. It's a work shirt. But like, I, I haven't gotten that far. Yeah, so I'm just like, like it's it's one of those things. Like, I don't know, my jeans they don't need to get washed this week. <laughs> uh, I actually I actually need to go out and buy some more Ohio State stuff. I've been saying that all season. I think maybe I'm gonna see if any of these websites have good deals or something for Black, Black Friday. Friday. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know we have the Cade McNamara quote today. We had Tyleek Williams uh, stomping on a practice jersey. You know I've seen like four or five videos uh, from Instagram stories of like Ohio State players doing it. They do it every year. Like, but like it just goes back to like what do you expect? Like, yeah. this is not, not new. This is not new stuff. All the bad hate, all the, like, really personal stuff has gone on for the last hundred years. Now it's just kind of regurgitating some of those old things that have happened. Yeah. And, and so I think, like, so this is just, like, a random thing. I used to work in equipment at Kent State. And one thing as a football fan that you don't really ever think about is the stickers on the helmet. And not just, like, the, the leaves, right? Not just those. Like, the, and maybe some people don't know this because I didn't know this initially. Those helmets aren't painted it's with tape. the stickers. It's it's either it's either tape or it's just like very heavy like vinyl things. So like if you have any sort of decal on your helmet, someone has to physically put that on each helmet. And when it gets messed up from the games because they lose paint, they chip, they tear, they get turf in between. You have to take it off and re put it on. Yeah, it sucks. I've done it. 
It takes hours. The reason why I'm bringing this up is that they're so committed to this rivalry that they make the equipment staff hand tape helmets to look like Michigan's helmets. The scout team wears the blue, the amazing blue throughout the week. and it's hand taped. So, like, just on a regular basis, helmet, and it's not for Ohio State because we don't wear decals, but, like, any helmet that has decals on it, like, I think of Kent State, like, that big golden flash, that yeah. decal, that takes hours to put that on every single helmet, every single week. Yeah. And they're adding extra to their equipment staff by having them hand tape every single helmet. That takes a long time. That's just the level of commitment. All the all the minor details matter. Uh, it's crazy. Where, it, it's just crazy. That's where this robbery is at. And then Michigan has the nerve to be like, yeah, after 25 years, we renamed a drill that we always did, the Beat Ohio drill. Okay. Like, yeah, that's right. one step. Like, that's not enough commitment. Like, yeah. And they're like bragging about it. Like, yeah, but we've been doing stuff like that for years. Yeah, it's so funny because, like, everyone complained. Everyone, like – at Michigan was like, oh, you guys are so weird like this. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, the last 17 games, it's 16 and one. So guess what? You guys weren't weird enough. So that's what you guys get for not like taking it as seriously. And, you know, when you talk about recruiting in the Midwest, it usually starts, it's three schools. It's Michigan, it's Notre Dame, it's Ohio State. Those are the three big name brands in the Midwest who usually kind of dictate all of recruiting and stuff. And when you look into rivalries, uh, winning those rivalry games are exactly how you land big name recruits. So Ohio State, what, they've beaten Notre Dame almost every time they've played them since like the 60s. They've beaten Michigan uh, a ton of times since 2000. Uh, so, like, that's where it's where it starts. So when Michigan fans are calling Ohio State fans insane and Ohio State insane for all the commitment they put to the rivalry, there's a reason Ohio State's playing for championships every year. It's because they set a goal, they set a standard, they met that standard, and then they continued to beat that standard, and then it kept getting elevated. Yeah, and they never get tired. That is the most impressive thing about what Jim Trestle did, what Urban Meyer did, and what uh, Ryan Day is trying to do. They never get tired of preparing for the rival. They never let it slip. They never let the moment become too big. And that is... I mean that that's hard. You know how hard like it, it's it's very easy to become complacent. That's why I mean there's a lot of other factors, but that's why dynasties fall. That's why you know football teams go in and out of of going to Super Bowls and national championships, and unless you're Alabama, because that's another one of like the level of meticulous care that they take. Like if eventually you fall. And you get bored. And to never get bored with this rival. I mean, Alabama doesn't get bored with national championships, but they get bored with their rival because they lose to Auburn. And they lose to Auburn relatively consistently. Yeah. And by consistent, I mean once every three or four years, but that's consistent enough, right? There are people on Auburn who at different moments in Auburn recent history who have beaten Bama twice. There are people on who have spent four, five, six years at Michigan who have never beaten Ohio State. So even Alabama, for as good as they are and as consistent as they are when it comes to the national championship, they get bored with their rival. And their rival is always lesser, way lesser. They're even lesser to to Bama than Michigan is to Ohio State. And so that is my biggest like compliment. And it's because it's 
it's fanatical. It's maniac. Like it's maniacal. It's the obsession with this rivalry. Literally, it runs through your blood. Yeah, and like you know, I, I was I did my top five rivalries and I included the Iron Bowl, but there's a reason it was at five, and it's just because it is hateful and but like outside of Alabama, because like if if Alabama wasn't good, like literally no one would care about that game. Like zero people would care about that game. It would be the Egg Bowl. Like, you know, the Egg Bowl is fun, but it's so local. Like it, this one, it's like when it's the same state, it's a little different. When it's two states and it's like the two premier institutions in the state, it, it, it's it's one of those crazy. It's so it's just crazy. Like, I, I don't think me and Jordan are doing a good enough job of showing you guys how crazy it was because it's all we've been talking about. So um, if you guys have any other crazy things that you want to talk about with this rivalry, just tweet at us because we want, we, uh, we just love this stuff. So, um, you know, looking at, um, the show plan here, um, I kind of want to talk about Michigan before we head to our commercial break real quick. Uh, we've already kind of mentioned this throughout this show, but Jim Harbaugh is, Every time he loses to Ohio State, the pressure of the next game increases to the point where it's going to be so much pressure, there's actually no pressure anymore, if you know what I'm saying. So he is in, he's been backed into a corner for years now. So at this point, I think he's in a place where he really can just kind of throw out – whatever he usually does his normal traditional self and just be like, we're going to do everything we can treat this kind of like they're a huge underdog all the time from here on out. And I think that's kind of a little bit more dangerous than the Jim Harbaugh. Who's like, all right, we're also competing for these national champions. He's like, I just want to beat these guys. Yeah. And I just, I I, I try to give Jim Harbaugh a little bit of respect from like a a national and a Big Ten landscape because I do think he's made some changes, but I just don't. I'm not really. I don't know. There's pressure, but do you feel as though the the like? Are you are we are we sure that there's pressure, or is that Ohio State fans talking? Because we know in a similar situation there would be pressure. Like I, I can't I can't imagine an Ohio State coach going seven years without beating Michigan. I can't imagine them going three without potentially getting fired. So I'm I'm, I'm genuinely not sure that there's pressure. Yeah, because I, like nobody talked nobody talked about. I understand Ohio State's a little bit bigger, but everyone was like. Po- everything was positive, even though he lost to Michigan State. I'm, I don't even know if he feels pressure to beat Ohio State at this point. I think when, you know, his contract was big, when everyone was talking about firing him, there's a lot of pressure. But now they, they've recalibrated their expectations. So, like, this is just Jim Harbaugh coaching now. It's not him coaching to win national championships. It's not him just – and that's kind of when he was at his best. You know, when you think back to his Stanford teams, like, no one ever expected those teams to be any good. Like, so he just won. Like, no one expected this weird – college coach who coached at Stanford and San Diego to be good in the NFL. So his NFL teams were good because they got creative. Now it's like, he's just back to being Jim Harbaugh. Like kind of does what he wants to do. You know, I think he did. I think his hire of Mike McDonald as a defense coordinator was a good hire. I think getting his staff younger was a smart move. Will it pay dividends in the game? No, because Ohio state has an even more talented coaching staff. They have a more talented head coach. So I, I just don't see 
I, I just, I, it's like we talked about, they committed to this complacency, you know, it's, it's just something where I think the players want this. I, I, I do think Aiden Hutchinson, I saw a stat during one of their bigger games where it's like his dad was, I think like four Oh and one against Ohio state in his career. So he was kind of doing what Ohio state players were doing to uh, Michigan right now. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson's on the opposite side. Uh, I think it's really tough to try to leave a lasting legacy when it's like when I heard Taylor Luan talking to Adam Schefter today, like it was a little clip that popped up. He's like, yeah, they're going to win. I'm like, dude, you're 0-4. You really cannot talk about it until they actually do it again. Yeah, and I think for like some players, especially ones who are from Michigan and really buy into it, they probably feel that way. But I'm not convinced. Like, Ohio State has people from Florida hating the state of Michigan. Yeah. Like, and, and, it, and it lasts because these Buckeyes go to the NFL, not from Ohio, and they still talk about it. They're doing stupid dual, like stupid uh, challenges and trades and betting and, and jersey swaps and stuff like that in the locker room with Michigan players and stuff like that. These guys are from Texas, like, you know, like no ties to Ohio State. Ohio State brainwashed them to this rivalry, and I don't believe that that's happening for Michigan players who are not from Michigan, who are not already bought in, like an Aiden Hutchinson who's bought in through his dad, you know? And so yeah. that's why I'm not sure that there's pressure because I just don't think, like, Michigan's always going to fall back on that we're a better academic institution than you kind of think. Uh, and it's like, okay. Great. We Congrats. Know deep, we know deep down they're saying that out of just pure jealousy that they just cannot hang on a football field or I honestly don't know if it's pure jealousy. I really think they believe that. I really think that they think the academic, like to them, football is just a sport where like in Columbus, it's life. Yeah. In Ohio, really. I mean, football in Ohio, high school football in Ohio, in my opinion, rivals nothing outside of Texas. Now, if we're talking about recruiting and like the level of players and stuff, yes, there's other places. But the passion rivals nothing but Texas. And the only reason Texas is higher is Texas got more money and they got high school stadiums that look like college stadiums. So, like, I'll give that to them. But football is the lifeblood of Ohio. As a whole, high school football, literally like there are people 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 who go to high school football games who have no they don't have no kids there, no grandkids, no nothing. It's just a Friday night and it's high school football night and they're going. Um, I just don't think I, and I think that's why there's not as much pressure. It just it just doesn't go through the veins. It's not as important. And I think as a as a whole, they um, they, you know, survive off of that. Our school is better academically. Yeah. I just think that's good. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think like you know Jim Harbaugh, like we already talked enough about him. He he he's a really good coach. He's not a great coach. I think we could all accept that now. Uh, but I, I do kind of want to take a look at their players. Uh, just a few of the names, you know. Uh, give them some stuff before we get back to talking about Ohio State. Um, before before we go to the players, I have one thing I, I want to say because I meant to say I forgot. There's a Jim Harbaugh may have maybe coaching for his job next year because it's going to be interesting because I have no sources. I'm nobody in the industry, but um, Mike McDonald could be Jeff Halfley. There's going to be a lot of jobs open. And I didn't know this until I was just randomly reading a story. But Mike McDonald came from the Raven staff. And I don't know if he's as good as an interview with Jeff Halfley. Like, Jeff Halfley got a lot of interviews and stuff, and so a lot of people saw him. But being an NFL guy, 
on the Ravens, one good year in Michigan, all of these jobs opening. There's a, I mean, there's a chance he gets a job. There's a chance. I mean, like, I, I have no sources, but like, uh, and I doubt he goes to Coastal Carolina. But I'm just saying, if one of those Coastal Carolinas or something opens up, one of those smaller mid-tier jobs that that their head coach gets a higher job, I could see somebody calling him. Um, I mean, I don't know why. I don't. I don't have any sources. Nobody's telling me that. But it's the same track that uh, Jeff Hackman followed, and so that's gonna be, that's gonna be interesting. If he's not there next year, can Jim Harbaugh do it again? So it's yeah, and- kind of random, but just. Yeah, I've got some. I, I, I'm going to build on that. I think we're going to take a quick break here, but I kind of want to build on those. They're two young coaches because it's kind of. I, I think it's interesting you brought that up. But we're going to let you guys go to the commercial or the ads or whatever they call it when it's in podcasting, and we'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys are enjoying the show so far. We've spent a lot of time talking about the enemy, but you know how it goes. Know your enemy better than you know yourself, and you'll be fine. I don't know. I just made that saying up, but we'll get it on a T-shirt and we'll start selling it to you guys. Uh, Overall, I I think we were talking before the break about the young assistants in Michigan and kind of the track Mike McDonald's on, how it's similar to Jeff Halfley, how it's similar to some of these offensive coaches. you know, the the interesting thing to me, like when you talk about young coaches, like the elevation, like when we had Joe Brady at LSU, his next step was becoming an offensive coordinator, a full-time offensive coordinator somewhere, and it ended up being in the NFL. Uh, that's a huge step. Mike McDonald, like you said, came from the Ravens. Uh, if he was that young and having that big of a role on a staff like the Ravens, who are Super Bowl contenders, he's a sharp guy. Uh, but I think it's interesting because, like, you talked about Jeff Halfley getting all these interviews and kind of interviewing around everywhere. Uh, it, the one thing I've thought about a lot is Josh Gaddis is never a name that comes up when you're talking about new head coaching jobs across the country it, at all. And I just kind of wanted like, you, you had your opinion on Mike McDonald. I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on the fact that Josh Gaddis was a very big young up and comer when he was at Alabama. He gets to Michigan been there for three years. The offense has been better than it was before, but he never gets those. He's, his name's never in the searches. His name's never kind of coming up when it comes to interviews. I just kind of, it, it's weird to me. Yeah. I think that when you look at, I think so when you look at other young offensive coaches, what has Josh Gattis done? He hasn't gotten a good quarterback. 
He's, I mean, it's nobody wants this running style offense. Like, unless he gets hired by a Big Ten school, which isn't going to happen because none of them, like, you know, none of them fires their coaches, uh, seemingly. I just don't think that he's done enough to kind of warrant it. Um, nowadays, they want to see things that they've never seen, which is how Jamie Chadwell might get a job. And it's just like he hasn't developed a quarterback. His wide receivers have been eh. His running backs have been eh. Hassan Haskins is good, but is he the best running back they've had recently? I can't even think of Michigan's running backs recently. Yeah. Um, Chris Evans is there. He didn't do much. Uh, Blake Gorb and Hassan Haskins are there, too, that have been. And it's like, they're good, but, like, I I love to do this thing. We talk about it all the time. How many teams in the Big Ten would they start on? Uh, Not that many. Yeah, I think. Not starting at Ohio State. Any of the top teams they're not starting at. I don't think at the beginning of the year they probably both would have started at Wisconsin, but now they're not starting at Wisconsin. They're not starting at Minnesota with Ibrahim healthy. They're not starting at Ohio State. Penn uh, um, State would probably be. But I'm, but but really, because Noah Kane's good. Noah Kane isn't the reason the running game sucks. Yeah. It's because the offensive line sucks. So like, I'm not their run scheme positive. Sucks. Yeah, I'm not positive they're better than Noah Kane at Penn State. What's his name? Journey Brown. They're both good backs. Yeah, they start at. They probably start at Michigan. They probably start at Maryland and Rutgers. But like, that's not saying anything. Um, they probably start at Iowa, maybe. But Iowa, I don't no, even really name? know enough about Iowa. So. But he had, he's a good running back. His name is Tyler something. Um, they start at Purdue, but Purdue doesn't run the ball. So it's just like they're good, but not spectacular. Yeah. And so that also goes to his recruiting. And so I don't think he's just – I don't think he's done anything. I don't know. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I just don't think he's done anything spectacular enough to warrant that, like, we need him immediately. He's a young up-and-comer. So I think that's kind of why. And I think the longer he stays, the, the more it almost kind of hurts him because – it may not even be him. Maybe he's just doing what Jim Harbaugh wants and, and he has some other ideas and some stuff. But I think that's why. But when it comes to like Mike McDonald, also the biggest thing is when you have that one year breakout, the biggest thing is when they were really bad before. So yeah. Like, our, house, our defense was really bad. Jeff Halfley came in. Uh, Michigan's defense was really bad. Mike McDonald came in. LSU's offense was behind the times. Joe Brady came in. When it's like shocking, it's like, holy shit. Like, where did this come from? That's when you really start to get your name out there. And Mike McDonald has done that. All of, all of, um, all of Michigan's main contributors are, are seniors. Aiden Hutchinson wasn't doing this last year. Nope. Um, I think their safety's name is Daxton Hill, right? He wasn't doing this last year. Like, where did Ojabo come from? Maybe he was a younger guy. Yeah, but like, he was he behind. Doing was this. it Quiddy Pay? I think he was behind him. Yeah, which is fair. Quiddy Pay is in the NFL, so he's with my Colts. But still, like... I think that's kind of the, the biggest difference. Josh Gaddis is – I mean, has he impressed you? He doesn't impress me or scare me for that matter. Yeah, I do think um, this year has probably been his most impressive year. I think he's gotten finally – his voice is finally being heard by Jim Harwell. But that's what happens when you get a raise and the other coaches on his way out. He has to hear the new ideas. But I, I don't think – I think the one thing you may – I think the one thing that's the clearest is – He's an offensive coach, and he hasn't developed an elite quarterback or recruited an elite quarterback. If J.J. McCarthy is good, I think he could turn that switch around, you know. But I, it's uh, it's just one of those things. It's just interesting because, like, when he got to Michigan, he was that up-and-comer, you know. And now he's kind of just kind of stuck. And it's funny because 
he kind of he hitched his wagon to the Jim Harbaugh horse, and that was like it was a bold move, uh, just kind of given Harbaugh's middling. I guess would be a good way to put it. He's just there. He's nine and three every time. Uh, yeah, so. he stayed the course at Bama. He probably has a head coaching job. Yeah, and I'm. I don't. I think. I mean, there's going to be a lot of movement. So Josh got Josh Gattis could still, you know, get a job somewhere. I mean, they're they're in the top fifteen offensively. They have a really good running game, and I I, so I think someone is going to look at what he did with Cade McNamara and like like that because Cade McNamara was a very low recruit, and he's playing. He's serviceable. He's playing good enough, and he's gotten better. So I think there there may be some teams out there that see it, but it's just not. I mean, it's going to be like a. Like a Miami of Ohio, a Bowling Green, something like that, where before he may have been on track to get one of those bigger, like group of five jobs that, like, you know, or yeah, one of the lower end yeah. power five jobs, yeah, yeah, something like that. So yeah, it's just it's an interesting conversation topic. Uh, but yeah, going forward with more uh, Michigan talk, just to get you guys ready for tomorrow. Oh, uh, we've got the obvious Aiden Hutchinson. We've got the offensive guys. Uh, Cade McNamara, the running backs, Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins. Blake Corum's been a little banged up. He should be good to go. But last week we got to see former Ohio State commit Evan Pryor light it up because Corum was a little banged up. Donovan uh, Edwards. Yeah, Donovan Edwards. Sorry about that. Evan Pryor's yeah. with us. They were very similar <laughs> players in high school. That's on me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, any other guys on this list that you think oh. – Ohio State fans should be looking out for? Um, no. I mean, we didn't mention J.J. McCarthy. He's going to come in and play. Um, I don't know their corners' names because I don't think they're that good. Uh, Daxon Hill is a decent safety, but he's not better than, than Jaquan Brisker. Um, I... <sighs> I don't know that none of their wide receivers. I mean, unless Andrew Anthony from uh, uh, East Lansing wants to have a, a big game, I think he could challenge a little bit. He seemed like a he seemed like an athlete. Um, he has not done that much since that game. Yeah, it was literally just the game. That uh, game. So I think your best I'm linebacker. He's Josh Ross. I, I think I think that's an interesting matchup because I think Ohio State's receivers definitely are much more uh they're much better than Michigan's DBs. I think if we went down and did like a versus versus of all the positions, I think one interesting one is our running backs versus their linebackers. I think Josh Ross is pretty good. Uh I, I'm blanking on a couple of the other names. Uh, I'm pulling up the stat sheet now. Junior Colson's all right. Nikai Hill Green, he's a guy that a lot of people talk about and are very high on, but I just think uh, historically Ohio State's really uh, taken advantage of Michigan's defense. And, yes, I'm taking Cade McNamara's words there by utilizing their speed, getting horizontal, and absolutely just kind of toasting them with that. I, like the most obvious play of this is when Paris Campbell caught the mesh route and took it 85 yards to the house. Like uh, They just yeah. don't have the types of players to keep up with Ohio State horizontally. That one in I literally just watched it. I can't believe I'm gonna forget his name. Um, the really stupid flip at running Curtis Samuel. Yeah, 
the the third and nine, they ran the stupid flare, and he just crossed up the whole defense and got eight and a half yards when he should have been tackled for a loss of three. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's just there's like one play from every single game the last uh, what is it eight years now nine years uh, where you can pinpoint the more the athleticism of Ohio State beating Michigan. Yeah, I do. I think the one name that we didn't bring up is Eric All. That's going to be the most interesting one. The tight end. He's the one that caught the game. Yeah, he's catch good. He's going to be Michigan State. He he's going to be. I think the most similar player Ohio State's had to play was Nebraska's big tight end, that six eight guy, number eleven for them. Uh, and I mean, that's going to be a group effort in slowing them down because our linebackers are going to have to cover them, our safeties. I think that's a Craig Young job, if we're being honest. Yeah, I think he plays uh, a lot. Craig Young played a lot last week against a team that liked to use two tight ends. So I think we're going to see him a lot this week, kind of at that bullet position uh, or I guess the apex type safety. Because I, I mean, it's kind of confusing because he's the third linebacker, but you still got Hickman, and it's the personnel ain't been a little different for Ohio State the last few weeks. Yeah. The one thing about Eric All though is like he's a good athlete, but they just refuse to use him. Yeah. They I mean I'm actually I won't pull this up just to see. Well it's how like close we talked about with Andrew Anthony. I think we talked about this off the show like weeks ago was like they took it took them eight, nine weeks to finally use an athletic receiver. Like that's where I get kinda like bent over with or like bent out of shape with them. Like you have these super talented guys. Like that would be like the malpractice of not using Garrett Wilson. Yeah. You have your best oh, offensive player. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, they don't use him, but they use him more than we use Jeremy Record. But it's about the same. Eric All has 31 catches for 324 yards and one touchdown, and that one touchdown came against Michigan State, which was like their tenth game of the year. Um. So like he's a he's a good player, he's a good athlete. I think he's a mismatch. I just don't trust that they'll use him. Yeah, and I just don't. I like Titans have never really done that much damage against Ohio State. They can this year though, because that's where we're weakest. Yeah, I don't want to see Lathan Ransom against the tight end. Yeah, I don't know why more people haven't been doing that this year, honestly. I mean, that's like the one position in college where it's like you don't really have that many elite tight ends. You know, like where you're in the NFL, like every team should have that one tight end. Yeah, I just don't have that in college. Tight ends bring bring tight ends back. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, looking at their offense, like I, I don't see like. The more Cade McNamara plays, the more I feel good about this game. Uh, I know J.J. McCarthy's going to get his snaps. He kind of comes in and changes things up. But we've seen quarterbacks similar to J.J. McCarthy and what they like to do with him. So it's not something that should be a huge cause of concern when they change it up on us. Uh, I, I think I'm not- I, I, I just because he makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I was going to say this may be controversial, but I don't think I'm playing Cade at all. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Not Kate. I'm sorry. No, no, no. JJ. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't think I'm paying. I'm. I don't think I'm playing JJ at all. <laughs> because, like, sure, like what he provides you is fine, but what, he can hurt you significantly worse. And this is clearly the best team that they're gonna face. And so. He throws an interception against Ohio State. They could take it to the house. He gets he tries to run around against Ohio State for five minutes. The defensive ends are going to sack him. Maybe it's a sack fumble. I don't know if he provides enough that I just I don't know that I would trust him in this game. And there's a reason that he hasn't started. And I pulled up Cade McNamara's stats. He doesn't like he he just doesn't scare you. He he's thrown for 2142 2, yards. That's 70th in the country. He has 14 touchdowns. That's 65th in the country. Two interceptions fine. You know, that's good. And he is QBR is 15th. So he's efficient, but yeah. He doesn't do anything. His like yard, is he going His yards per attempt is like 8, which is, is very low for a good quarterback. Yeah. Like, is he going to increase his touchdowns by 50% against Ohio State? No. Like, he's not throwing for 400 yards, five touchdowns against Ohio State. No. And it's it's funny because I think uh, Michigan fans are so juiced up about their two quarterbacks, but, like, they're not on C.J. Stroud's level. They're not on – I don't even think they're on Kyle McCord's level. I think we'd win this game with Kyle McCord at quarterback. Uh, that's how confident I am. Uh, so – uh, I think we're both on the same page here. There's just not anything on Michigan's roster that scares you. The only reason you're nervous about this game is because it's a rivalry game and anything could happen. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm nervous, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's like that's more that's more uh, fan service for all for you guys fans, out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for the fans, because you do you get the butterflies. It's a rivalry game. It's it's real. It's it's a little nerve wracking. You never know what happens until that first snap starts. Yeah, and you're like, oh Guess yeah, I'm, we're Ohio State. Yeah. Guess how many rushing yards he has on this entire season? Who? Cade McNamara. It's in the negatives. I bet. No, it's not. It isn't. It oh, might okay. as well be. It it's like twelve. Six. Oh, dang! I was close. And eleven games. So like, he's come a on. A yard a game. <laughs> yeah, he. It's just he's not scaring me. Um, he has fourteen touchdowns in eleven games, man. Like, yeah, it just doesn't. They're going to have to win this game running the ball. And I've said it before because I said it for Michigan State. Ohio State is not a team that you can beat running the ball. Yeah. If we were going to lose running the ball, we would have lost to Minnesota. You you just can't put up enough points running the ball. You have to have an, an all-time defense. And I would say the same thing against Georgia. If Georgia can't find a way to pass against us, they won't beat us. You can't beat an explosive offense running the ball. You just can't. Yeah, you cannot be a one-dimensional football team and keep up with Ohio State's offense, especially when our strength is our defensive line. And honestly, at this point, I'm going to say it: our linebacking unit is become with Steel Chambers, with Tommy Eigenberg playing the way he is, Cody Simon getting back healthy hopefully this week. You know, it's a good group of players. So, uh, like, when your strength is going against Ohio State's strength, it usually doesn't work out for you. No. Um, did you see that clip of one of the tackles of um, Kenneth Walker where there were literally three players and uh, taking on blocks 
two to four yards in the backfield. Yeah. And then Tommy E made a tackle for a loss. That's how you win. Literally, it is. like, they and had no push. They reset the line of scrimmage. There were three Ohio State players. Take One was at two, one was at, like, two and a half, and the other one was at literally four yards but behind the line of scrimmage, taking on blocks. And then Tommy E just made the tackle in the hole. Different player at this point in the year. It's honestly kind of amazing. Um, well, part of it is the defensive line. Yeah. We, we did talk about that. Like, we we crapped on him a little bit, but we also said some of it is a defensive line not providing anything for him. And now he's figured it out, and the defensive line is is making it easy, and so he's playing decent. Yeah. I'm not going to hype him up too much. If the defensive line can play the level – they did against Michigan State. This game's going to be over. This game's going to be over early. Very similar to the the last game. A hundred percent. And I I I know Ohio State fans hate when like people like me and Jordan start getting a little cocky on the air because they're like, oh, don't give them bulletin board material. I don't care. I don't care. But also for us, it's like at least we give reasons. Yeah, like it's it's it's, it's technically sound. Yeah, it's like we're not just saying this because it's not like Michigan can't throw the football consistently. So if they can't run the ball, this game is over. Eleven games, the quarterback is seventieth in yards and sixty fifth in touchdowns. Yeah. If that beats if that beats Ohio State, Ryan Day needs to be coaching for. Hundred percent, and that's exactly kind of what. We want to see. Uh, yeah, so getting on with the show a little bit, let's get on to our side a little bit more. Uh, spend a lot of time talking about the rival. But at the end of the day, uh, you need to. You need to know them. You just got to do it. Uh, we're going we to kind of – Yeah, you go ahead. We have breaking news. What's the breaking news? Um, four-star quarterback Devin Brown has decommitted from USC. Ooh, uh-oh. Guess where he just recently visited? Ooh. Uh, so for you guys, uh, this is not going to be breaking news on Friday, but on this show we broke it to oh, you. So yeah. give us this award <laughs> uh, for being the first on this one, even though – because we record Wednesday. This is Wednesday, 744. It's Hayes Fawcett, and we're confirming with our sources that Devin Brown has decommitted from USC. Big, yeah, I big J energy. I'll be forgetting that this comes out two days after we record. So people are going to be like, oh, breaking news. We've known that for two days. At this point, he could have already like committed to Ohio State and everything. Yeah. Uh, whatever. But you, I, it's a time capsule. You get to we, see our reaction. Yeah. Before we get back into this, uh, I do think it is interesting that his most recent visit was Ohio State. And I told you before the show, I'm like, I think we're going to get that kid who was committed to USC. Yeah, and he took he took multiple visits, but he didn't decommit. Right after the Ohio State visit, he decommits. That's why I, I mean it's crazy because I didn't have any sourcing, but I'm like, yeah, I think we probably land this USC kid. And just why all not? these other signs, I'm like, all right, here we go. I, I'm, I'm yeah. right again, recruiting expert. Just saying. And for anyone who ha- who doesn't fully understand why Ryan Day keeps getting these quarterbacks. Example Clemson. He literally yeah. said it. In a, he literally said it in an interview with Bill Landis. He says, "What if you're wrong?" That's word for word. He said, "What if you're wrong? You recruit a quarterback and don't recruit another one for two or three years, and then you're wrong. That is unacceptable. unacceptable. That is what happened at Clemson. That they is were why wrong. they have three losses. And uh, DJ, it, he's DJ not good. He was not the guy. 
All right. Uh, but yeah, moving forward, let's get into the mind of our head coach. Uh, let's press her bullets this thing. Shout out to our friends at 11 Warriors for getting these all organized for us. Uh, I, I'm excited because I think uh, every time they do the interviews during this week, they just say everything perfectly. Like Ryan Day, um, he, he gives them so much respect. It's what you're supposed to do. It's a rival. You're supposed to respect them. Uh, but day, this is the one that interested me the most. Uh, Michigan is significantly different defensively under Mike McDonald than under Don Brown. Day says the Wolverines have a more NFL-oriented scheme this season as opposed to a college-oriented scheme Brown employed. And the reason that's interesting to me is because the NFL is so good at giving multiple looks using combination coverages, and that's what a part of my film preview that you guys probably read yesterday is about was – they don't just go straight up, man. They don't just go straight up. They they will do half field coverages. They will do cover four. They will do cover two. They will play at Tampa two. They will play so many different things. They Some games they bring 60 70% blitz pressure. Some games they don't. So I think Ryan Day loves these types of coaches because it gives him the challenge he wants when he's chasing the perfect offense. Yeah, Ryan Day is a uh, he's a um, very egotistical guy. If you say he can't do it, he turns up on you almost every chance he gets. Um, that's a little bit of that petty Ryan Day in there. So I do think he wants to make a statement against Mike McDonald just because he can. Just because he can. Like, yeah. okay, you, you improved on defense, but you haven't played us. Yeah, and it's so funny because, like, remember – uh, this is 2018 when Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator, and they said, oh, number one defense in the country, uh, psych. Yeah, played <laughs> okay. us yet, just like you said. It's so funny to me because I, I think, you know, the Ryan Day's managed to be like – he wins every interview because he doesn't say anything. You know, and like I know a lot of our uh, comrades in this uh, hate that. But I love it because it makes me have to be a code breaker and kind of decipher what he really means. And a lot of the time we're right on cue with Ryan Day. We kind of understand it. He says enough. He speaks in code. Like you said, he doesn't say nothing, but he he says enough. Yeah. Uh, The best team does a win. It's the team that plays the best. Uh, Ryan Day, you get me. That's exactly what you want to say because he's like, yeah, we're the better team. That's what he's saying right there. We're the better team, but we got to play the best. Oh, God, yeah, that's crazy. That's what happened against Oregon. Yeah, and that's what he was asked. That's what he was asked about when he answered that. Uh, but I think the way the players are talking, uh, and it's funny, Zach Harrison, this is one thing we noticed too. I've definitely noticed that my game has gotten better when Tyreek's playing more. Uh Guaranteed one of us is getting one-on-one blocking when they're both in. And that that has been a very noticeable impact with Tyreek Smith playing at the level he is because uh, when you have two really, really good defensive ends similar to our friend or our enemies across, uh, I almost really slipped up. No one would ever listen to the show again. Uh, They have two very good – it's hard to single – or it's hard to commit extra resources to one of them. So it's just about winning those matchups. Yeah, and uh, I think we can do that. Yeah, I think we will do that. Are there? I'm any, pretty confident. Are there any things you've heard throughout the week from either players or coaches that have really stuck out to you, either side? 
Yeah, the thing that stuck out to me the most was Chris Olave saying, um, I think it was Chris Olave, he said, if we get one-on-one routes, that's like routes on air, we have to win them. That's the greatest quote I've ever heard. I don't know when he's I don't know when he said it. I don't know if it was a post-game interview. I don't know. I don't know when it was because he didn't like I don't think it wasn't in this pressure. It definitely came out before Tuesday. But whenever he said it, I saw that and I said, that is the greatest quote I've ever seen in my entire life. That is so disrespectful to everyone else. And it's but that's the mindset of the wide receivers. And that's just gave me more confidence. Like, do you know how? ridiculous you have to be to just go out there and say confidently if we see one-on-one coverage that's, that's like Ross on air we have to win that like that's the greatest thing i've ever heard single sing, singularly the greatest quote i've ever heard from an ohio state wide receiver and maybe ever i think honestly like you know it's one of those things where like i didn't know chris lobby could get more legendary then he goes out with a soundbite <laughs> like that like when we have one on one coverage that's routes against Air Force, like what in the world? I, I want to get that tattooed on me. Yo, I'm joking, I'm not, but like that's he, the I would put that on a shirt. That's bulletin board material, honestly. Yeah. If we're really going to talk about it, if I'm a Michigan defensive back, I'm putting it on a bulletin board. I'm buying a bulletin board just to put it on there, and then guess yeah. what? I'm still getting toasted. Yeah, and I don't think I and I don't think that was about Michigan. It was most likely about Michigan State because I'm pretty sure it was a post game interview. I'm, yeah. I'm fairly positive. But it doesn't matter. Any DB in the nation, even if you never have a chance of playing Ohio State, you should be offended by that. Yeah. And, you know, the best part is, is like it's one of those things where it's like a lot of people would hear that and be like, oh, man, that's so cocky. But I'm like, has anyone ever gone one on one man coverage and slowed down Ohio State's receiving group this year? No. No. Anytime they do it, it's like a funeral. Honestly, it's just dark. It's sad. It's not great. I mean, even, I mean, even with Julian Fleming, and that was a great sell. So um, I, I hate like talking about other things, but Land Grant Holy Land is free. So if you have a couple extra dollars, you also get the athletic. They did a um, they did a story. Uh, Bill Landis did a story, and they were showing Ohio. He was showing Ohio State how they set up plays because anytime a coach is in their bag, they always set up plays for the future. That's when you know like the offense is really rolling. And on that. Julian Fleming touchdown, they set that up by doing a run on the outside and Julian Fleming came and crashed down the block. Well, then on the next play, they ran the same exact con- concept. He fake blocked and then just popped out almost like a, like the tight ends do for a wide open touchdown. But that's just another example. You like you, even our back. I mean, he's, he was the number one receiver in the country. I don't say backup as disrespect, but even because we have a backup that's going to win the Blitnikoff award. But um even our backup wide receivers can't be, be can't be handled one on one. It's just like no, you can't. So, but it's still just to, to say it is the greatest thing I've ever heard from yeah, a player. I've never seen a group of three receivers that is as confident as the group that we have, and then be able to back it up. Yeah. Like, and it's just like it's so funny. Like, oh, they went man coverage against Jackson Smith and Jigba when they, they played Nebraska. Guess what? Two Bills. Yeah, it's just like it's like who are you going man coverage against? Yeah, it's like you have to pick your lesser of two evils. It's like okay, you're gonna have to give safety help somewhere. Oh, you can't give it to everybody. We're gonna pick the young guy. Oh, the young guy who's leading the team in catches, leading the team in yards, leading leading the team in yards per catch, and everyone says is the best route runner of the three. 
Okay. No, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave Garrett Wilson open. We have to cover Alave and Jackson Smith and Jig with the leader of receptions. All right, that's a touchdown. He's gonna beat you off the snap by himself. Like you're not even gonna touch him. That's a touchdown. All right, nope. Garrett Wilson's the spark plug. He's firing Earth Wind and Fire. You know, we're gonna let Chris Alave. No, nope. Chris Alave just took a post. Split your safety. That's a fifty yard touchdown. He's celebrating. And then, and then it's like, no, we're going to drop eight. That's fine. Travion Henderson, 60 yards up the gut. Yeah, hammering it. It's, he, just, he just put your safety on a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's funny. Uh, yeah, no, it's just crazy the weapons Ohio State has. I, I, don't think, I don't think Michigan has the firepower to match them at all. They don't. I, but the, no one does, but they don't. They don't. They don't have anyone on that team who I think could stay within. It, it, one one guy posted something last week, and it was so funny. Uh, one of the draft guys, he's like, Garrett Wilson got such a clean release, he ran a practice route where he still swiped the hand down. Yeah, I saw that. I saw it. It was just like it was natural. He swiped the hand. It wasn't there. He realized he put his hands up, 77-yard touchdown. So I, I, I think we have to not even respect. It's the same thing we did with Oregon. We didn't believe it, but it happened. If Michigan wins this game, what happened? How did they win? They limit the three receivers. They don't give up any big plays to the receivers. I'd say would be the way. So yeah, you don't have no. one of those daggers that Chris Olave just always seems to find. You don't have one of those plays where Garrett Wilson makes two guys miss and then like dances his way into the end zone. You don't have one of those like 30-yard post routes where everyone kind of clears out and then Jackson Smith and Jig was just by himself because they put so much – Emphasis on the other two guys. Yeah, that's, I, I don't. That's how I see it. That's the only way I can see it. Because I don't think they, I, I don't think they slowed down the run game enough to where it's like impactful. I think Ohio State probably runs for 150, close to 200 yards against them. Uh, but I think, I think they can get complicated enough. But I don't know. CJ Stroud's in his bag. It's kind of stupid. Yeah, so I, I mean no disrespect to Michigan, although no one listening to this cares. I don't think I don't think there's a singular way Michigan can beat Ohio State. Michigan wins this game if Ryan Day presses and he gets into this weird thing that he does against big game against semi big opponents because he never does in like really really big games but those like kind of big games like Nebraska Penn State like those weird ones like we lose this game if Ryan Day just forgets how to coach especially in the red zone like anytime Ryan Day is not like cool calm and collected and he starts to press that's when they have a chance but I don't think that's anything that they can do because no one has in my opinion has done anything to make Ryan Day press he just like forget that he's a he's a offensive minded genius sometimes and he just does too much like they win this game by doing what you said not allowing big plays and then hoping Ryan Day just threw up the last two weeks of red zone uh, efficiency and goes back to Penn State or Nebraska and even still for those teams it wasn't enough to beat us but maybe for Michigan it is maybe it is yeah but I, I, I I think one thing that's funny to me is uh, I was writing my film preview before this, before recording. And I'm like, honestly, playing Michigan's defense should be like looking a little bit in a mirror because they run four down linemen. They have a similar position to our bullet. So I, I think this is a type of game where like on paper, like, yeah, Michigan's defense is really good. 
but it's not stuff that Stroud hasn't seen before. Yeah. And so it's like, I think, I think we lose this game if two things happen. Ryan Day presses or CJ Stroud presses. If CJ Stroud does what he does again, did against Nebraska and throws two picks just stupidly, maybe that's enough for Michigan to beat us. Uh, And if Ryan Day just forgets how to operate in the red zone. But even still, the biggest problem that Michigan has in this game, and there's a lot of problems. We've chronicled a lot. The biggest problem that Michigan has in this game is Jim Harbaugh. Because is Jim Harbaugh going to kick field goals? Because if he kicks field goals, this game is over. This game's over. I, I, I hope they get the ball first. I hope they get the ball first. I hope they get a good drive and it and it stalls. And, and it's they like kick a field fourth goal. And, Fourth and four from the 27. Because if that happens, that's going to tell me everything I know about this game. If they go for it, okay, this might be a game. Jim Harbaugh's in it. Whether they get, whether they pick it up or not, if they go for it, okay, Jim Harbaugh's in it. If they get the good drive, get down to the 30, 27, 23, whatever it is, fourth and three, fourth and four, fourth and five, and they kick a field goal, the game's over. I'm telling you, watch it. First time Michigan gets the ball. Or maybe the defense plays really good. So the first time Michigan gets in the red zone, if they kick a field goal, game's over. I don't care. Even if it's the first drive of the game, they're not winning. Yeah. I think it's funny because when Ohio State kicks a field goal, it's a failure. When Michigan kicks a field goal, they're like, that's a nice, long, sustained drive. But it's still – it's a, it should it, be a failure for them. They kick field goals more than anyone yeah, else in the and country. In, and we saw it with Scott Frost. Like, they had Ohio State on the ropes. They kick a field goal at the end of the game. Like, what are you doing? You can't and, give Ohio State – extra chances to double the lead. And by double, I mean go from a – like if you cut it down to three because you kicked a field goal and Ohio State takes it to ten, that's a two-score game immediately because you didn't go for it. Yeah, I mean 100%. And that's the thing. It's just like I didn't make that stat up. Statistically, like someone did the numbers, Michigan kicks more field goals than anyone else in the country. That means their red zone offense is abysmal. It's terrible. It's trash. Ohio State kicked field goals in two games, and people were ready to burn down the city of Columbus. Yeah. And national media members were asking if, like, if Ryan Day lost it, and they were saying that we are not going to win the Big Ten. Michigan does it, and it's like, okay. But that's, that's not going to work. Against, it's not going to work against Ohio State. If they, I'm telling you right now, if they go on that first drive and they kick a field goal and he does not go for go for it, or if they get a four, even if they don't get the field goal range, if it's like fourth and one in the plus 40 and they don't go for it, game's over. Just end it. End it, yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's like we're, we, we kind of sound a little dramatic here, but we, we've seen it so many times. Like Michigan State had that fourth and 10 and – they decided to kick a field goal and they missed it. But if it was 14 to three, does that really change it that much from being 21 to three to being 28 to three? No, but a 14 to seven game, that's a whole different approach. You're taking a different approach offensively. You're always kind of a little bit closer uh, because like I said, it takes a 21, three game is still a three score game. And there's no difference between 21, three and 21, zero. Because you're still going to need an extra touchdown. But there's a difference between 21-0 and 21-7. You have to go for it. You have to. You have to take that risk. And Jim Harbaugh has not shown himself able or willing to take that risk. And if he does not in this game, there's nothing that they can do to win. 
in my opinion. Yeah, because even if, even if CJ Stroud throws two interceptions, they're probably going to take one of those interceptions and kick a field goal. It doesn't hurt Ohio State. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just to, before we get into the keys to victory, I think there's a couple more things we want to talk about here. Uh, we got Ryan Day looking to start 2-0. and We've kind of already touched on that. But Ohio State played the near-perfect offense. I'm going to say perfect. Their starters played a perfect offensive game against Michigan State. Uh, it's not – I don't like, I don't think the expectation should be for them to replicate that, but I do think that they are capable of being a lot closer to that than being further away from that at this point. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think that – I mean – this has really been Ohio State's offense all year, except for two games, maybe. It, it, yeah, maybe three. Yeah, uh, I mean, Oregon, uh, even Minnesota, Oregon. they housed uh, they they housed a bunch of plays. Tulsa, they kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, I mean, even even in Nebraska and even in Nebraska and Penn State, they moved the ball well. It was yeah, just, it's a, just the red zone. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, this has really just been the offense. The only difference is some. The only difference is do we score in the red zone or not? And yeah. In nine out of eleven games, we've scored in the red zone. So, uh, and I mean, it's just one of those things. Like the last few years, you've seen Michigan settle for field goals and Ohio State score touchdowns in the red zone. So it's just simple math at that point. Uh, but yeah, I just think. Coming off the last two offensive performances, Purdue and Michigan State, it's just I just think they are on such a high level of intensity that I just don't think they're going to take a step back. I think this is going to be an even more outrageous statement than the Michigan State game. That's kind of the gut feeling I have. Yeah, I do think that – I do think that Michigan makes a couple of plays in this game, and but that's it. But yeah, like a couple. When we close out with our score prediction, I do think they score touchdowns. I don't think they score a lot of touchdowns, but I do think they score some touchdowns. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think. Uh, we've hit a lot. We love our receivers. We love talking about them. Uh, if there is a single position group for Ohio State you think this game comes down to, uh, I think I gave my answer earlier. I think it's a defensive line. I think this all comes down to how they play. I just kind of, what position group do you think, if they play their best game, guarantees a win for Ohio State? Defensive line. So we're on the same page there. Yeah, I just yeah, think I mean, if I didn't want to be on the same page, I would say offensive line because they have to protect Stroud. Yeah, but ultimately it's the defensive line because yeah. they're going to be the. Uh, actually, no, no, I talked myself into it. I'm going to switch to offensive line because they do have a tough. They do have a tough test, um, and they have they've for the most part they've shown up to it. But they did have a couple of weird games where it was like they couldn't run the ball, and you know there there was a. I mean. The Penn State game, Arnold um, E. Arnold E. I can't say his last name. He had like five pressures on his own. I think was the stat. So I'm gonna go with the offensive line, uh, just to be a little bit different. Yeah, I I, I respect that. I, I but I think the overarching theme is this game is going to be won in the trenches. I think that's how this game always comes down to it. You know, you can get the flash on the outside. You've got all the great receivers, the running backs on both sides. But without the offensive line blocking, without the defensive line 
clogging up lanes. This game, it's it starts with those two position groups, and I think that is that those two groups will decide the game because Michigan's best position group is their defensive line, and Ohio State's arguably most talented. Or I don't even know if it's most talented. The receivers are the most talented. I don't care what anyone says, but preseason, the most hyped group was the offensive line. So. It's it's just a battle of our big guys versus their big guys, and you know I think I think that's kind of just the that's going to be the def- that's the definition of a great football game though. If we're being real, a great battle in yeah. the trenches. That is real football. That is real football right there. I have a I have a question for you. Do you did you see the did you see the comment that NPF made about Senior Day? Uh. No, I did not. So he I, again, I don't know where he said it, but he basically said, "I participated in Senior Day for my mom to celebrate graduating in three and a half years, which was a goal." It didn't sound like he was leaving. Like that, like it just opened like a tiny crack. Tiny, it opened tiny like crack. a tiny crack. He's like, "I did it to celebrate graduating, not that I'm going to the league. I'm going to the draft," and, and it's like. I mean, especially with the, with him being on the left side, he has another year of eligibility. I don't think it's an extra year of eligibility for him. He just I has think another year, I think. Yeah, I think he just has another year. He's played well on the left. I mean, he this is a, an, an extra year could potentially be a year for him to be the number one tackle yeah. taken. I don't know if he'll ever be that. Some people don't seem to be as super high on him, but I just I didn't know if you saw it. I, I'm not. It, that's going to be interesting. I just, we get him and Dewan Jones back. Yeah, I just don't know how you know you don't like if he comes back, he's for sure like the n- most name recognizable tackle in next year's draft. Yeah. So the I, one thing it's hard I, to say he's not the number one tackle, but you know, there's always going to be that one freaky athlete tackle from like yeah. sub school that was a late developer. And Nicholas Petit Friere is a great athlete, but he doesn't have those like no. freaky intangibles that like some like NFL scouts live and die by. But I, I it's it's I think you're right. It opened the door to it. Uh, yeah. I think he I think wanted. He I think part of why he wanted to celebrate was because he was leaving and he wouldn't get a traditional senior day, but. I think you could, you know, athletes love to kind of like be cryptic. And I think you could hide a little bit behind his words. So if he does come back, it won't surprise anybody. But if he leaves, it's like, okay, well, you're one of the top five to 10 tackle prospects in the draft. You probably weren't going to come back and get much higher than that. Go get your money and all that, you know? Yeah, the only thing that concerns me, and I'm not typically like a, a roster guy because it's going to figure itself out, is if he comes back, what does that do for Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones? Because yeah. like that, that would that's I mean because because um, I don't think Paris Johnson uh, Jr. wants Thayer, to play guard for another year. No, and Thayer Mumford coming back hurt Paris Johnson Jr. So that happened again, and then it's like I don't know, man, because Paris would be starting if Thayer didn't come back, and like nobody's nobody's mad at him, and Thayer ended up moving inside, so maybe it wouldn't matter anyway. But like realistically, like yeah, it, it, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, Dewan is starting, so maybe Paris still wouldn't have started this year because he's not starting. I don't know. It, but it's, it's just weird like, stuff. Technically, it, it, they are coming back, kind of mess some things up until they move from the guard. If NPF comes back and Dewan has played well this year, what do they do with So that's the only thing. And I also just think when you're that good, you should get your money. But 
it just opened the door for something that's a little bit off of Michigan, but with this being the last regular season game, only a couple of games left, these are the kind of things that you start to think about. Yeah, who's uh, going to come back? And yeah, don't worry. Like when everyone's like, "Yeah, you guys are going to take a break when the season ends." Yeah, we probably won't. Yeah, so we're going to be here for you guys to give you the same energized conversations. But before we head out, we got to give you our keys to victory because I think this week there's actually going to be a legitimate need for Ryan Day to listen to us, get his keys, and then go into the game and win. Last week, once again, we were 100%. They did everything we said, and they had their best performance yet. So I think me and Jordan are ready to give you guys exactly how Ohio State's going to win. Uh, Do you want to take the lead here and go with your – Offense or defense first? Um, I'll go with offense because I don't really have a key. My offensive key is keep that same energy. Um, Keep the actual energy level up. Keep the aggressiveness, the creativeness, the last – every time the offense is really humming, we've seen a play we've never seen before. And the one last last week was the, like, seven uh, fake handoff touchdown to Alave. You know what's funny is we did see that before. We didn't. Did we? We didn't see a pass off of it though. Yeah, did no, we, we did. Uh, we they ran that same exact play uh, from the same exact spot of the field to the same end zone uh, against uh, God. Who was it? I, it might have been. It was not. It was not Tulsa. It was the game after Tulsa. Okay, no, I know what you're talking about. CJ Stroud was sl- starting. Okay. It was slightly different, but it was the same concept. This one had more fakes in it. They faked like three different handoffs yeah, on this one. they faked the jet sweep, the hard play action, and they, they, yeah, they were spinning CJ Stroud yeah. around. I don't know how he found his footing. I do know what you're talking about. They did run something similar. But, like, again, that's another point. Every time the offense has been humming, we've seen a play we've never seen before. So uh, keep the same energy. That's yeah, that's just, Stay in your bag, Ryan Day. Uh, my key offensively is very straightforward, simple. Limit the edge rusher. If CJ Stroud has time, we've seen how dangerous he can be. So if you guys, if the if the team can limit the damage Aiden Hutchinson does, Ojabo does, uh, this game, and you just let if CJ Stroud can just sit back there and deliver strikes, uh, I feel bad for Michigan secondary because it'll be like routes against air for Chris Olave. Yeah, I think it was going to be that regardless. But yeah, you definitely need some. Uh, definitely need to get some pressure because uh, C.J. Stroud is doing some high level things, and he's doing some things that the casual fan doesn't uh, always pick up on with his with his pocket movement, especially his eye movement. That's a another good quote that I saw. Um, they were saying, I guess C.J. Stroud said in one of his interviews, I tell them all the time, if you beat your guy, I'll beat your whole defender. Meaning if you beat the corner, I'll beat the safety of the linebacker that's in the way. That's going to stop. That's going to stop them from double teaming you. And so. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Limit the edge rusher. If he gets some time in the pocket, it's it's over. So uh, my defensive keys are uh, a largely focused for the defensive line, but it's kind of the entire defense. It stopped the run first and foremost, and I, I added to that. <clears throat> 
I added to that D line needs to be in the backfield. They can't, they have to reset the line of scrimmage. Anyone who doesn't know what that means, the line of scrimmage is on a line, resetting it. You push everyone back. So the line of scrimmage is a couple yards back. It messes up the entire flow of the offense. We need just more plays where the defense is two yards in the backfield and not two yards uh, being pushed. So uh, stop the run. D line needs to be in the backfield on running plays and on passing plays, even if they don't get the sacks. Um, and so the last one, building off of that, all of mine built off each other is pressure the quarterback. Again, 12 rushing yards in 11 games. He's not mobile. Even if you don't sack him, which I want to see this, I would love to get the sack numbers again. But even if you don't sack him, if you pressure him, he's useless um, because he can't go nowhere. Yeah. And Ohio State did a really good job last week with Peyton Thorne where they were pressuring him but not getting the sacks. But they were still getting in passing lanes, making the throws a lot tougher. So just being able to do that would be huge for the defensive line. Yeah, 100%. And I do want to see uh, with the pressuring, I think now would be a good time to bring, bring some blitzes. Yeah. Because it's like if it, the passing game doesn't hurt you. So you bring some run blitzes. And if they are passing, you just have extra people getting to the quarterback. Yeah. And somebody's going to uh, respectfully, disrespectfully take his head off. For sure. Uh, yeah. And I guess mine kind of builds off yours. Mine is entirely just make Cade McNamara beat you. I think you could stack the box against them. I think you guys play seven in the box and go man-to-man with their receivers. Can Cade McNamara be accurate enough? Can he be on time enough? Can he deal with the pressure enough? Uh, If you make him beat you, he is – if I had to rank the players on their offense, he is number 11 of all the starters, like one through 11. I think he's their worst player offensively. And I think if they beat – and I think some if, of the receivers may be worse. Yeah, I don't know, man. He might be number eleven if you include all three running backs, but I'm not sure they have a good receiver on that team because David Bell's not playing. Oh, Ronnie Bell. Oh, oh. Yeah, Ronnie Bell. Did I say David Bell? Yeah, we were still stuck. Sure? Yeah, we like David. Oh, Bell. Oh yeah, David Bell is yeah. Ronnie Bell is Ronnie not. Is the guy. He got hurt early after yeah. making probably the catch of the year in game one, and he blows out his knee yeah. on it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, I think Cade McNamara, very limited thrower. Uh, he needs a lot of time to wind up his deep throws. So I think this is a game where I think we're going to see a strip sack, honestly. I think Tyreek Smith or Zach Harrison gets a strip sack. Yeah, I was going to say that. As soon as you said it takes a while to line up that deep throw, I was just imagining, like, they got to match, match hand, get a hand on the ball. Yeah, and I think his two interceptions, I think he does a really good job of taking care of the ball, but any quarterback, once they get flustered, forgets how to take care of the ball. This is true, uh, especially because, again, he is negatively mobile. Negatively mobile. He get, And he can't throw on the run either. So if he does get outside the pocket, it's always been inaccurate. Uh, I think of yeah. the three quarterbacks we've played the last three weeks, he is number three. I think Peyton Thorne and Aiden O'Connell are both significantly better than him. He's and, had four games this year without a touchdown. Yeah, and that is incredible. If you're like I, I if we had to rank Big Ten quarterbacks, I think he's in the bottom third for sure. Yeah, is he better than Noah Vedral? I don't know because Noah uh, he may throw better than Noah Vedral, but Noah Vedral can run. Yeah. <laughs> Who's uh, Northwestern's quarterback? He's yeah, probably better than Northwestern's quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> like. So, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of te- – like, he's not better than Talia Tagovailoa. He beat Ta- Talia, but he didn't beat him. The running backs did. So, yeah. it's really – like, if 
you're going to have anyone beat you, it's got to be Cade McNamara. And that's one of those things where if he can beat you, you tell him congratulations. Yeah. But I mean, not really because it's a rivalry game, but like you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. if you let you make that guy beat you and if he does, you just give him a round of applause. Like you you did what we didn't think you could do. Like congrats. It's, it's, a, it's on us for doubting. But yeah, it takes us down the home stretch. We got score predictions and then we'll give you where you can find us. Jordan, what do you think the final score of this game is going to be? Um, I have the final score at fifty-one to twenty-four. You had fifty-one to twenty. I had fifty-two to twenty-one. Fifty-two. Is that all touchdowns? No, it would be seven touchdowns and a field goal. Okay, so I have six touchdowns and two field goals. So we're right on. Yeah, because 40, yeah. 45, 48, 51. Yeah. yeah, I have six touchdowns and two field goals. And then you said 28? Uh, 21. 21, okay. What did I say? I said 24. Yeah. Mm. But you, I, I think you've got that. the cowardly field goal in there. So. Yeah, I don't trust that because I think they get more than one cowardly field goal. I'm going to stick with it, but it's really going to be like two touchdowns and three field goals, which is what, 23? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's going to be because they're going to kick a bunch of field goals. 51 to 23. Yeah. I, I, with, with three cowardly field goals. All right. So you said 54 to 23. 51 to 51 23. 23. And I've got 23. And I've got 51 to 21. So I'll make sure we tweet that out this week because we've been kind of yeah. dropping the ball on that. But overall, I think both me and Jordan, I uh, think Ohio State – wins this game as comfortably as you can for a rival and we've been confident a bunch and it's backfired and we've been unconfident a couple times and it's backfired so i think we're just gonna ride the course and just roll with this one yeah honestly i mean at the at the end of the day i like i said i i saw the path for michigan state to beat us i when we get to wisconsin if we win this game i see a path for them to beat us although unlikely i don't see a path for michigan when you include their strengths their weaknesses and who their head coach is i just don't see it uh it may not be a blowout but i have it you know they scored 24 points. That's solid. 23 points. That's solid, but still statistically a blowout. So goes, I think that's the game. It goes back to what we said every single game. Do we think they can score more than 28 points? And my answer is no, no. Which means you can't beat Ohio State. No. So. And that is how we're going to end this show. Jordan, as always, it's been a pleasure. Where can we find you on social media for the crowd? And where can we find you on Land Grant Holy Land? Uh, yeah, you can find me on social media at JordanW330. Uh, you can find me um, on the I-70 show, which dropped on Monday, so you can listen to that. Uh, you can find me on this, the Instant Recap, which will be up on your feed tomorrow. Uh, you can also find me dropping Big Thoughts, uh, which, I mean, I think I do a good job on. Uh, it's going to be a lot of thoughts this week, uh, maybe a couple bonus ones, because we're going to be talking about the, the Big Ten Championship game. So check me out, uh, interact with my content, and let me know what you think. And then you guys can find me on Twitter at Chris Rennie CFB. And then you can find the show at Buck Off Pod. And then in the feed, you can find me on the instant recap in this show. And then on the website, you can find me doing the film preview and the film review coming out Thursdays and Mondays, respectively. As always, we appreciate you guys coming here today. Uh, Beat. 
beat the brakes off that team up north. Let's go. It's that time. Uh, the hate's flowing. Let's get the hate out of here. Let's get let's get some hate going. Let's go. Yes, sir. Go Bucks.